0: Welcome to CT Startup, an insider's perspective on the startup ecosystem in the great state of Connecticut. My name is Dave Menard from Martha Kalina, and with me today is
1: Eric Francis, Trifecta Ecosystems.
0: And we have a special guest host
2: O'Jala Name with Reset.
0: And our guest today is Denise Whitford from the Small Business Development. Center, 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 not committee, <laughs> not council. Yeah. Not, uh, it's good to remember center. Yeah. So center I, yeah. I always say council. I think council is really? my favorite word. <coughs> I, no, no, yeah, There's I, too many I,
1: acronyms. There's well, just so many like well, things it is. in the state. You know, it it's is. just one of those things. I,
0: actually, it's just Denise. I always picture you and your, com, you know, you and all, all the other people from the SPDC standing around a table, you make, making those like, uh, you know. Uh, was it, from Simpsons, Mr. Uh, Mister Burns, you know, the, the yeah. little Waveline fingertips, <laughs> 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 So basically he's saying you guys are evil. I mean, that's wow. basically
1: what, what, what he a, just said. What a, so, a way
2: to welcome yeah. our guests! Welcome Dave. to that podcast. Thank welcome well, to I the thank thank podcast. you, for that you are, great you, introduction. <laughs> <yes>. You're
3: welcome.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you are quite welcome. Yep. No, seriously, uh, the Small Business <laughs> <laughs> Development, not committee, Yeah, not council, that other C word.
3: Yeah. <laughs> Center. Her. My God, I yeah, cannot center. remember it.
1: Yeah, yeah, center, yes, <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly, center. Oh, good. <laughs> <geez>.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Write it down for that him. That is awesome.
0: <laughs> I, t- I totally. Uh, so, so Denise, uh, for those who can't see, are uh, <coughs> is, is are now making now making uh, boards for me to read from. So yeah. I think that's perfect.
1: <laughs> so Denise, what do you actually do? Well, so was, except for you know, correcting Dave on spelling and everything.
3: <laughs> fair enough. I work out of the Hartford region and I'm a business advisor for the Small Business Development Center. Uh, we work with entrepreneurs and startups, helping them through any kind of hurdle or start their business, bringing mm-hmm. concept to commercialization.
1: Nice, nice. So how long have you been doing that?
3: A total of five years. I've been with UConn now uh, for about four years.
0: Okay, cool.
1: And
3: that's
0: the UConn yes, it specific is. portion of the SBDC. Yes, it is. Now you have other offices where?
3: We have offices across the state, largely at our regional chambers, anywhere from Stamford and Danbury all the way up through Bridgeport, Waterbury, Middletown, uh, Norwich, New London, stores, and I'm here in the Hartford region. Mm -hmm.
1: So everybody's part of UConn, correct? We are. Okay. Because I know everybody's card that I've gotten is your card on one side and then UConn on the other, right?
3: Well, let me explain. (laughs) We came together as the result of a um, generous grant from the Small Business Administration. And that money is matched by another generous uh, fund from the Department of Economic and Community Development. And we are housed at the flagship university at UConn. So they really employ us Mm -hmm. as the benefits and salaries and locations
0: but you're not limited to UConn students or companies?
3: No, we reach across every business sector and every part of the state.
1: Nice, nice. So how, how'd you, let, let's step back to that. How'd you get into this? How'd you get into kind of business consulting and, and you know, SPDC and all that kind of stuff?
3: Great question. I started my career when I got out of college here in Connecticut in uh, banking. Okay. And I spent about a dozen years or so in banking and then switched over to economic development, working in the towns of South Windsor and the city of Hartford. And then went back to banking. Bank? Back to banking. Banking, I think I I need one of those cards. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Welcome to the club, Denise. It's great to have you. David, look what you did. (laughs) (laughs) No, I went back to banking for a while and uh, decided to get into small business. And I think that uh, a lot of my time in banking was spent working with entrepreneurs, trying to help them bridge that gap and get credit, access to capital, and grow their businesses. And it just seemed like a natural fit. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. So I assume getting money for entrepreneurs and small businesses is uh, no small feat. Sometimes, huh?
3: It can be a challenge. <laughs> You're right. It can be a challenge. I, I think that um, it's really our sweet spot. And if we look at the number of clients that come through our queue, I would say about 75% of them, and that might be a generous number, really are looking for access to capital, and mm-hmm. that comes in the form of loans and grants. It can also be venture or angel capital. Mm-hmm. And quite frequently, we go the circuit with crowdfunding, which is a new acronym really? for a lot of folks. Yes.
1: Why? Why is that?
3: Well, I think a lot of people don't have those credit cards. Many of the entrepreneurs coming out of colleges now don't have a lot of access or don't have parents that can support them or family that can support them in some way, and they want to do the crowdfunding. They're very in tune with uh, social media, and Mm -hmm. they just jump right on it, and they're usually pretty successful if they manage it right. Mm -hmm. So
0: now let me just pin this down because these days, if you say crowdfunding, it actually means a lot of different things. So Mm -hmm. I I assume we're generally talking about donor-based crowdfunding like Kickstarter or – rocket hub Indiegogo, go something like that
3: you're hitting the nail on the head and those are the most popular types because they're so um, mainstream at this point people are more familiar with them the process and the expectations are out there so very much so I just wanted
0: to differentiate because there is uh, people could have access to uh, debt based crowdfunding Mm -hmm. like prosper.com or uh, uh, I think it's lend me anything
1: happening Connecticut yet with that
0: Not not on the debt side, Um, then there's the equity crowdfunding side, which is the stuff that went went into effect last year, where people can sell securities online. Um, uh, WeFunder is the biggest uh, equity funding crowd site at the moment, Um, though, interestingly enough, uh, my bank just opened up their own equity crowdfunding page. So my bank or your no, no. actual <laughs> bank? my my actual, <laughs> <laughs> my actual okay. bank the Digital so. Federal Credit Union is my okay. DCU is my bank and, and they I got an email from them which I was shocked to receive which said that they're opening up their own equity crowdfunding site so companies that, like they'll help put companies online trying to get money for them by selling securities wow and and I figure if a regional bank is doing that that's that's something interesting
3: Well, I agree with you I think a lot of the smaller banks now are getting more creative and more thoughtful about the way they reinvest in their communities it's not always through a grant or uh, some type of low-interest loan sometimes it is a true investment Mm -hmm. the advantage sometimes is that they have professionals on the banking side that can lend a lot of support as a true advisor to that entrepreneur starting up too so it could be a win-win
0: I would also like to point out that your service is entirely free
3: our services are offered at no cost so yes that does mean free at times we do have to charge a very low cost depending upon the tool that we use for research and by low cost I mean it might be twenty or twenty five dollars sometimes for a research report but that said those reports if the entrepreneur went out and bought them from an outside source might cost hundreds if not thousands of dollars so we try to bring them in a low-cost way to help us defray the charges that we are paying for those license agreements so advising services that we provide is at no cost. It's free.
0: That's absolutely amazing to me because uh, I've always said that the SBDC, whatever their last letter means, um, (laughs) is by far one of the best things going in Connecticut for companies. Um, I can't think of how many companies sent over to you, Denise, or to uh, colleagues of yours. And every time I'm at an event, I almost always run into one of your colleagues across the state. Um, it's just—I uh, mean, you're—all you're, of you are always out there. You're—you're you're always active in the community. You're helping companies, and—and and the companies aren't being charged for it, and they're receiving real benefits. Um, and it's something that everybody should know about. In fact, uh, I've wanted to have you on the podcast for a long time. I think it's—I think it's great that we're finally starting to help you get the word out even more.
3: Well, we appreciate that. I have to admit, David, I've, I've been around in the uh, Connecticut economy for quite some time, as I shared a little earlier, mm-hmm. in a variety of capacities. And I think that this crew that came together really has an entrepreneurial mindset. Everybody has an advanced degree. We came to the table willing and ready to serve entrepreneurs in their environments um, with a very motivated outlook, willing to use those tools and reach the entrepreneurs where they need it most. And that's, by the way, not always uh, capital finance or access to funding. Um, so thank you for that compliment. I'll make sure I pass that along to my team.
2: So going back to uh, talking about you know, securing funding, what do you think some of the biggest challenges are right now in trying to secure funding?
3: Um, Sometimes the entrepreneur um, has the idea that they're going to get grants and the grants are going to come out and they're going to be ready. They don't have a business plan to uh, submit. They don't have a budget proposal. Um, So what happens is whether it's a grant or a loan, um, the entrepreneur has to demonstrate sources and uses of funds. And what that means is how are you going to spend the money that you get through a grant or a loan? The next challenge is usually um, their credit score. Uh, All of us have been young at some point, and I am included on that list. When I got out of college, I didn't realize, oh, I have to pay that back. (laughs) Uh, And sometimes you don't have a job that you can pay it back. So uh, youth, especially young entrepreneurs coming out of college, um, rack up bad credit. So we have to spend some time restoring the credit, teaching them good habits, and then moving them forward with a a logical plan to articulate how they're going to spend it. The last part of that, Ojala, is going to be looking at how uh, they're going to use the funding to reach competition, as well as their customer. They don't have a good understanding of the market or the industry, and that's, I think, really the the top three of how we help most. So what about from
2: the kind of funding landscape perspective, um, you know, one of the biggest challenges you hear from entrepreneurs in Connecticut is there's no funding available here. There's just not enough, and so we're going to pack up and we're going to take our business elsewhere. You work in this a lot, what are
3: your thoughts on that? Well there is funding and I think we have to become more creative on where to find it. I know that in years past banks did get a little bit tighter and I think they're learning to take risks in a different way and they're more educated risks. And I think that's where we come in and partner and collaborate, not just with the bank and the entrepreneur, but re-establishing where to find that funding. Um, they they might not be giving out five hundred or a million dollars to a startup, but maybe ten thousand to twenty or fifty thousand might be more palatable. So I think it's resetting the expectation on the side of the consumer um, is one of the greatest challenges. So the funding is there, and I think we act really as that clearinghouse. We've spent an awful lot of time across the state working at regional, local, and statewide banks. Many of them work in larger portfolios in the Northeast in general, and we've learned to finesse those relationships so we can get down to the nitty-gritty and say to the entrepreneur, you might want to look at a couple of banks rather than put all your eggs in one basket and find out what they're looking at funding. And it might not be a bank. Sometimes it means going back for equity and balancing that portfolio of equity and debt. Mm-hmm. Yep.
0: So I got to put in a plug for a previous podcast here. Uh, in just the past mm-hmm. week or two, um, we had uh, discovered through, uh, through uh, the lobbying arm of my law firm uh, that the Office of Legislative Research had put out a study uh, compiling all these sources of, in, of uh, debt and grant funding in the state for, uh, for companies and it's a nice little booklet, and if anybody listening wants to see it, they can go to the, find the Office of Legislative Research on the uh, Connecticut State Government website, or you could do the easier thing, which is go to ctstartup.com and look in our show <laughs> notes. <laughs> Boom. Um, and you'll find it right there. But, um, but this, this is a, a little gem of a government document that we uh, actually came across, and it just got released in early March, um, and it just, it, it just compiles all governmental and nonprofit sources of funding. Uh, in the state. It's really a marvelous.
3: That's an amazing resource. We're hoping we can get mm-hmm. it in an electronic format so we can actually put that on our website and help again point people in the right mm-hmm. direction. To your point, the more we know and the more we have access to, sometimes the better off we are in making really good decision making.
1: Uh, so you talked about some of these uh, reports before, right, that that charge. Can you can you give me an idea about some of those market reports and everything? Or or what are they? Because I know a big thing is competition, right, and understanding your, your industry. Because I know I know we we go online, we search far and and deep on on the interwebs uh, to find that stuff for free sometimes. (laughs) Um, So what what, what kind of stuff are you talking about?
3: Uh, The industry research that we pull out in large part comes from a place called IBIS World, I-B-I-S and we have a special license agreement with them that we can pull that out. And let's just say that it's a food truck. Mm -hmm. And uh, again, we're looking at a Main Street business that is no longer bricks and mortar, we're looking at something that's mobile. They move Mm -hmm. to where their customers want them to. That trend has been pretty uh, significant across the country. So that industry report will be able to gather information from across the country. We'll be able to see trending as well as competition in the landscape and also some of the trade associations that they might wanna jump into and, and get more information. The next one that we would certainly dig into would be some market information and consumer spending mm-hmm. and we have a database that we use called uh, business analyst. Okay. It's based in ESRI and it pulls out from the census tract an awful lot of consumer spending and demographic data. So if I wanna see what the buying trends are and I wanna put a food truck in Hartford, for example, I can look at the patterns in Hartford proper or by zip code and figure out, is this really where I wanna put the food truck? And then secondly, the tapestry of, do I wanna dig a little bit deeper? Is it Spanish food? Hmm. Is it Egyptian food or some other type of food? So those kinds of things are just two examples on industry and market in which we try to dig down a little bit deeper.
1: Nice, nice. it's big right because i mean obviously in part of like the reset accelerator the customer discovery you have to go out there and do it however it's always good to have that kind of you know 10,000 you know 30,000 uh, foot view of the industry and then you can kind of narrow it down to act what the customers are actually saying does it actually match up so cuz sometimes it doesn't you know uh certainly but uh but yeah, that kind of stuff, I mean, like I said, we've searched far and wide for some of that stuff for uh, for free. So right, right. <laughs> it's definitely valuable, especially if it's a uh, low cost.
3: Well, the other side of it, too, you know, you talk about the value on it, yeah. and there's the undisclosed value. Mm-hmm. We often get folks coming through the door, and I, d- I know that you didn't do this, but they say, no one does anything like what uh-huh. I yeah, do. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. unique. <laughs> I said, did you Google it? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. We pair them up with a lot of Google basic Google searches, <laughs> and we try to tear it apart for a very good reason. We want the person in front of us, our client to understand what their SWOT analysis yep. their strengths yep. weaknesses opportunities and threats but they need to understand really who their competition is and then they can vet against that it also helps them believe it or not on their pricing strategies mm-hmm. a lot of times they'll price with their competitor well how do you know they know what they're doing yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yep. so how do you a lot of times when you're giving that feedback and ripping apart really a, a business model or assumptions within a business model um, what kind of reactions do you get? So I know, you know, we've had this at reset. We'll, we'll, we'll have an entrepreneur come in and say, I've got the best new idea and it doesn't exist. And we'll sit down and start going through the pieces. And they'll look at us and say, you're supposed to be helping me, but you're like, you're, you're completely ripping why are me apart. Um, and it's, it's really difficult to try to say, look, we're, we're doing this in your best interest. Um, and it's not always the most pleasant conversation or the most pleasant reaction. And, um, it's always interesting to hear how folks are kind of dealing with that. Uh, honestly, Ojala,
0: right if then. you'd stop using physical violence, it would go <laughs> 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 <story>. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Listen, you're going to get me in some serious trouble. We're supposed to keep that under the table. see, the advantage of Jala yeah. has is
3: she knows I use the phrase commonly, I'm going to beat him purple with a stick. <laughs> <laughs> No, I don't beat anybody, (laughs) really. (laughs) Um, Dealing with that is is one of the greatest challenges that an entrepreneur for the first time has to overcome. Because let's face it, you have to have certain degrees of confidence to get into business to begin with. And so quite frequently, their baseline confidence is just out of whack. So when they come in and they'll say to me, I'm so perfect and I'm so uh, great, I set the expectation as my peers do as well in saying that we're going to listen to you for about a half an hour and then we're going to set some challenges out. We're going to knock it down a yeah. few bags. It's really unorthodox, <laughs> but we're going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think the greatest thing you can do is help them set realistic expectations. Our job right. isn't to discourage them as much as it is to set their mm-hmm. expectation correctly. Anybody who's been in business and been successful will tell you that they don't learn lessons from success. They learn them from failure. Absolutely. And what we want to do is make them aware of where they could possibly fall on their head and break it open. And we're not there to hurt them. We're there to help them. Be prepared, you're gonna fall, just like when you started walking when you were a child. You are basically in your infancy stage in some cases, or maybe you're in your adolescent phase, and again, you're overconfident, and our objective is to provide you with information to make really good decisions. More importantly, if you make a bad decision, don't get discouraged. What did you learn by it, and how do we readjust that and get you back on track?
0: So that. you attend a lot of events across the state. I, I know because I see you there, and and, and because Hawaiian um, shirt and all, you know, yeah, yeah. And, and because you've been a coach. Well, judge. that's
1: her job. It's not really yours. You just go around. Right? I just show up. <laughs> 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 David follows me around. Yeah. That, <laughs> that's
0: her job. That saves life. Yeah. It was. It was. <laughs> it's a little bit awkward yeah. how I'm sort of stalking, <laughs> but other than that, no, it's, a. Uh, but, uh, I mean, we've been a, a judge together on a reset flight night, um, mm-hmm. and we've got another one coming up. Yes, we do. Uh, Wednesday. Wednesday. It's two days, April yeah. 5th, right? Yep. Yeah. Um, no, today's? Yes, that's Yeah, the best. April yep. 5th. Okay. <laughs> yep. So, uh, and, and so, out of all the events you see and things you do, what do you recommend to your, like, when you get a new person in, you tell them, go explore the community, meet other entrepreneurs, get some viewers out there. Where do you send them?
3: Reset is one of the the main ones, and I'm not just saying that because Ojala is here, but Reset has established a really uh, solid reputation within the community for startups, not just uh, benefit corporations or nonprofits. I think um, the traction that's been gaining there and some of the other maker spaces, incubators across the state, as well as accelerators. I think it's also equally important that we look outside that periphery and we look at the trade associations. Let's use the food truck again as the example. Mm -hmm. There could be the restaurateurs association. There could be uh, the food truck association. There's a variety of areas which they can network and develop mentorship and gain additional tools for education or process. Um, Even helping them on their licensing, when hurdles come up with um, your local, um, your food and beverage uh, certifications and licenses, there are folks that have been through that pathway. And I think that sending them to those couple of areas um, is a huge help as immersion in their business. The other places that are usually pretty good, too, in some cases, is going to be their Chamber of Commerce um, and you start looking at the regional chambers of commerce or even their local chamber of commerce it can point them in the right direction and provide a, a network for them to be able to get out and, and move on
0: so not only with uh, with entrepreneurs but you yourself have continued developing so you were telling me recently you just attended a meeting on international trade and that you're getting a certification mm-hmm. what what brought you to that
3: Well, I think a lot of what we have as entrepreneurs, again, I'm using a food truck as an example, but we have folks that are coming through the process at the SBDC that have concept that they're bringing to commercialization. Others have their product and their business plan refined, and they've maxed out where they are domestically. So if we think about it in terms of 95% of the world's customers are outside the United States, the only way you can really expand your business, or a logical way to expand it, is to go international. And rather than go to someplace bizarre that we can't pronounce, we think about North America in terms of Canada, United States, and Mexico. So the objective is to do that logically. And we start looking at the way the contracts are drafted domestically versus internationally. Those um, terms, what they call inco terms of how the contract for purchase and sell and delivery and all those different things, we need to be able to do a better job at providing that information, but equally important, how you access capital to make it happen. So we stepped outside the parameters of looking at domestic uh, trade here in the United States and we're looking at ways that we can enhance um, export great
0: Pretty so s- Pretty soon they're going to, have to remove the small business in front of. Yeah.
3: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, well, small center. business is like a, a
1: broad term, right? It's like it under what well, like, ten million or something like that. <laughs> yeah. The
3: SBA cha- has changed the definition, and that yeah. can be found at sba.gov. But in general, <laughs> it's uh, you know less than five hundred employees. And that's dep- a huge. It's that's a big. It's, it's big. Yeah. So in terms, we usually think of small business as micro. You know, yeah. fifty or less employees. <laughs> but yeah, it's a big term. Yeah.
1: So so um, you know, obviously you went for the international kind of trade thing just because you saw. saw uh, um or seeing are seeing companies that are growing you've been around the, the um Connecticut for a while so what is what type of business are you seeing now are they small startups are they growth companies are they companies that are getting to be that small business at 500 employees like where Where is that? Um, like how many, are we seeing a lot more entrepreneurs? like what what is it?
3: Great question. It's all across the board, but generally our sweet spot to answer your question is businesses that are fifty employees or less. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that means that the majority of our clients are in that category. But we are st- starting to see businesses grow and in particular in areas of food service anything in the supply chain of creating food, um, and technology. And that technology can certainly be um, in any industry. It can be additive manufacturing, and there's new technologies that come along, or the insurance and financial services areas. It's across the board. But um, those tend to be the, the top two for us.
2: What do you think has been some of the most exciting um, trends or growths that you've seen over the last you know, decade or so, um, being in the kind of both economic development realm, and also with SBDC, um, it it seems to me that a lot is changing over the last couple of years. Um, Can't really say for better or worse, but what do you think has been the most exciting changes?
3: Um, In general, I'm not going to say it's a particular business or industry. I'm going to suggest that the consumers are becoming very, very savvy. Hmm. And uh, one of the trends that we have noticed is an awful lot of folks are coming out of, say, corporate America due to retirement or downsizing, whatever it might be, and they're creating whole new concepts and whole new direction to bring value to either their former employer or that particular industry and that expertise. Others are moving in a whole different direction of you know going into food and beverage or um, advisory and consulting. That said, I think we're having a whole new demand on how we do banking and how we do yeah. trade. Um, it's not the same old, same old any longer. Um, The trend that I'm most excited about, and and I'm not typical for someone my age, is I love gadgets. So when David was setting up today and I was watching him fumble with all these cords (laughs) and microphones, it was kind of funny because I think that tying technology to what we do makes us work smarter, not harder. And uh, understanding how to master technology isn't as difficult as most people think. It's really your own fear. So we're getting a lot of people, all different generations, moving that direction of connectivity.
2: Yeah, that's, that's one of my favorite topics when I'm on the podcast as well. <laughs> Technology and gadgets. It's, uh, it's, a big, it's a big important piece, I think, in terms mm-hmm. of future of business and just life in general.
3: When it comes down to an industry, I think Hartford really has a niche in the market, too, of um, when we look at medical devices and how we're tied to the top hospitals. We have three top 50 hospitals right here within a very short drive, and a lot of the folks that are moving in here from Boston and other parts of the country hone in on that.
0: So this is part of show where I do my best to make everybody else feel uncomfortable except for me. <laughs> <coughs> um, I, there's been one of the big things going on in the state right now uh, is this uh, idea of innovation places, right? The government's putting money towards certain areas uh, of the of the state. Um, you know, all the different cities and such are bidding for, for funds and people are trying to become part of that and uh and so i'm sitting at the table here with with eric who is at a company who's trying to become part of various innovation places grants to so that they would be part of that uh we've got reset which is a uh which is a community space in Hartford, which is certainly w- would ideally be part of those funds, and then the SBDC, which is involved in a different area. And then you have me, who's not involved in any of this at all. <laughs> so for me,
1: this is keep a, the lawyers th- out of this. It. Is <laughs> a, this is a you're, very comfortable. You're question. our trump card in the back <laughs> pocket. Yeah, Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. We're, we're
2: waiting to use it in the right moment. Oh, oh, oh. So, yeah, um,
0: so uh, what I wanted to ask everybody was I, I mean, I, I know the was it the the first round of grants were just submitted, is that so the right? grant
1: was actually, yeah, just. Submitted what April first? Yeah, or?
2: the final. So um, I mean, the final version. I'm sure there's going to be lots of changes yeah. afterwards. Yeah. But April first was a deadline, so a Saturday, because you know government. So, <laughs> so to
0: the extent that you feel comfortable saying so, and even better to the extent you don't feel comfortable <laughs> saying so, for our ratings <laughs> uh, and our reviews, um, how uh, how is this going? How has it been? What's been What's been positive about it? Negative.
2: It's been. One hell of a process. Um, so, you know, what what they're really putting out there is going to cities or regions and saying, come up with a plan for innovation and entrepreneurship and how you're going to strengthen that and how you're going to use that to strengthen the economies. Um, anything that's involved with the state obviously always has, they want to see, you know, job creation, revenue generation. I mean, that's like their bottom line measurements. Uh, but at the same time, I think the state's becoming smarter about recognizing the importance of uh, entrepreneurship within the state so it's no longer all about large corporations Um, in our process I think a couple big things came out one was recognizing that we need to build better bridges between corporations and startups Um, we've especially in Hartford we've got you know some of the best companies in the world are here and we're not figuring out how to utilize them to expand the businesses that are growing at a smaller level Um, so there's a, a lot of good thought put around that. Um, the second, I think, and what was most important to me was getting everyone at the same table um, and thinking together collectively about how can we, as a whole, make some serious impact. So having SBDC and RESET and CCAT and all the colleges and universities in the area come together to the same table and say, what roles can we play collectively um, and, and and use it to improve the state of the economy? Um, that being said, it sounds a lot prettier, nicer than it is. I mean, anytime you get a bunch of different <laughs> folks at the table, you're going to have a lot of, um, yeah, you know, for a lack of better terms, egos. Um, not not in a bad Never. way, but it's like you've got you're you're protective of your turf. Um, everyone's built up their own identity and their own credibility, and they're trying to protect that. Um, and so it's it's been an interesting process to figure out how to play well together in the same sandbox.
3: I think it was a good example too of. Um, first steps in some of these um, uh, multiple agendas and coming together in a collaborative relationship for a common cause. And I start thinking about the overarching commonality among the organizations. And for example, the SBDC Um, provides a variety of workshops and support at no cost to a lot of the entrepreneurs that will be served by the various partners at the table. And um, there was an awful lot of conversation that had occurred for some of these folks for the first time in one room together. And I think if we look at that as a learning process for what the next steps will be, I think we walk away thinking this was unprecedented to bring so many people together in the Hartford East Hartford region for a common cause. And that was to create an innovation space where we can get folks looking to Hartford and East Hartford and saying, yeah, we were part of that innovation center and here's what we gained by it Mm
1: -hmm. now uh, from an economic development standpoint um, and I'll I'll get into my my view of it but from an economic development standpoint how is this different than what's gone on in the past right there's always (laughs) been some sort of Hartford East Hartford thing and 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 again innovation places is Danbury it's Stamford, it's New Haven it's Bridgeport it's all the other ones too so how how has it been different than you know past you know like other than everybody getting around the table
3: you know, I, I'm, I'm going to have to pass the buck on that one, because I think in the years that I have been around, I've served in a different capacity mm-hmm. through banking and economic development, and I think that um, we've had a number of starts over the years, and again, there has been some marked success. Mm-hmm. I think what's different about this is it's really targeting, from my perspective, um, innovation mm-hmm. and putting not just bricks and mortar together, but programmatic support, and really looking at who's doing what and sharing as an alliance of what we can do to bolster this particular part of the state. Mm-hmm. And again, it might be different in Danbury or... Yeah water barrier, whatever that area is. But they took the stakeholders in this part of the state, and we came together um, to make that happen. Oh, Jal, I do not know if there was anything you wanted to add to that.
2: Yeah, uh, I think that makes sense. I mean, so it's interesting. Um, a couple of years ago, back in 2011, there was another piece of legislation passed that um, initially created CT Next right, as a mm-hmm. um, a program. Um, I wasn't at the table at the time, but from what I've understood, it was a similar process, getting few... Key players together at the table and saying, you know, what do we build? Uh, what do we have to do to make entrepreneurial activity um, more successful in this area? I think that's how you got, um, I guess, what is now the CTNX Partner mm-hmm. Program, with m- sort of more standalone. Um, so it's it's interesting. Sometimes, I mean, I feel like I'm a little cynical at times. No. Especially when Dave's yeah. around. Um, <laughs> it's, it's Dave. Uh, he's been such a great mentor and he's rubbing off on me so well. <laughs> yeah. I, I blame my cynicism on that. But, all lawyers are cynical. Right. Yeah. But uh, but I think, you know, th- there are times where you're just like, you want to bang your head against the wall and say like, why are we doing this all over again? Like, we've already done this, but haven't we learned something mm-hmm. from it? But at the same time, I think each time something of this sort happens, it's a better step um, mm-hmm. and, and you're able to implement a lot of the lessons learned from previous ones. So, mm-hmm. you know, you had the whole um, initial CT next thing in 2011, 2012. Then you had SC2 in Hartford yep. happen uh, in 2014. Very similar processes. You're competing what? for but SC2
1: is n- like national, right? That no, was...
2: SC2 was just for Hartford. You could oh, submit an application. I mean, you could be a group of people from anywhere in the world, okay, um, okay. I, I believe hilarious. they got that's applications hilarious. from like New York and stuff. But the projects had to be in focused Hartford, in okay. Hartford. What, yeah.
0: what was the result of SC two? And that says something because I have no idea what it was.
2: Um, <laughs> so <laughs> the result of SC two, uh, there were I think five top five top five companies received some level of a or top five p- projects. Top yeah. five projects. projects, yeah, yeah. that's, that's, that's how you put it.
0: Are any of those still around?
2: Yes. Uh, so I can speak. In, on behalf of the second, I was part of the second place team. with, uh, So it was Reset, um, Community Solutions, Billings Forge, Hartford Food Systems, a couple other more okay. food-based organizations. Project was uh, really focused around um, really f- food entrepreneurship um, and how to build that up, tying it in with the project that this, uh, Community Solutions is working on, the Swift uh, factory out in the North End. Um, and then Reset playing a role in terms of business development services for food entrepreneurs. Um it, that seems to be a pretty consistent trend um the funding that we had won from it some of it went towards the development of um pieces portions of the swift factory um, we did some uh sort of focused brainstorm sessions with food entrepreneurs and tied that in um we're now actually it's something that's continuing to happen and we're working on uh potentially pulling together uh, a food entrepreneurship mentor network um down the road so yes, some of those uh some of those <laughs> sys- some of those. Pieces are still moving forward. Um, I cannot speak to the rest of them as I was not a
0: part of it. Um, so, but, but I mean, I guess what I'm saying is that even after that was awarded, you do not. Th- there's no like big announcement of of hey, this is what's happened in Hartford since then. This has been the great result. No. Well,
2: I I will say there was also an administration change, right? So like that happened, that, yeah, and that then happened, like what together, yeah. six months after yep. there's an administration change. So I- you'll lose some of that in between.
1: But yeah. that was Mark Borton's project, right? Uh, yes. First yes. place was. Yes. Yes. Hartford. Sure. Yes. 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 Okay. So, uh, well, uh, well, what I was going to get at is too, is that like a lot of people don't, from the innovation places stuff, you know, like you talk about it, is that you know, from CT Next's point of view, is like they have a thirty thousand foot view, right? Where the whole thing, when when um, uh, Kip's going around and talking about this, it's the fact that Connecticut is the size or approximate size of the Silicon Valley, right? We're sandwiched between Boston, and New York, Boston, New York, are getting hotter and hotter. Um, so can we become that Silicon Valley? Can we become this innovation center? And, and one of the things from a, from a business perspective, you're, you, you two are both in you know, kind of the nonprofit slash you know, government kind of side of it, um, is that basically, again, we're, can, can you, we make Connecticut an innovation place, not can we make individual right. cities an innovation place? And that, that was just one of the in, interesting perspectives that when you get these groups together, you know, like you mentioned, the egos slash, and it's really not even the egos. It's more the ego of the organization. It's not the individual coming to the table. It's more just like you. You start realizing how a lot of people are going after the same funds, yeah. just in general. Exactly. And so it's one of those things where you, it was always a uh, adversarial kind of a thing, right? Where you're trying, you're always kind of. I like you guys are doing great work, but we can't be we can't be too close to him because <laughs> we're going after the same money. <laughs> so it's um, so one of the things that again I think kept. On, I'm glad that, that people from CTX kept on going to the different meetings, right? You'd see them uh, across the state going to some of these kind of partner meetings and kind of reinforcing it. Again, this is the statewide. This is about the state. and make it. If, again, if Connecticut, we have, what, three and a half million people? Saying, is it,
2: though? What, was it framed? I mean, I want to question <laughs> that. Was it framed as how do we make Connecticut a strong entrepreneurial ecosystem? Because to me, it was more so how do we make these smaller cities? I mean- I don't think there was anything that said, hey, Hartford, figure out how to work with New Haven and Stanford and cla-. I mean, that would be brilliant. I think that would make a lot of sense because each kind of geographical area has their own strength and expertise to bring to the table. But I don't know
3: if that was really the point well, of it. To this. a point, it was a competitive process. It too. was, yeah. <laughs> it it,
2: it, it, is, it is.
1: It is. It is a competitive process. But at the same time, like, that's the whole point is that these cities do not work together. We're fiefdoms working across and we're everybody's. But they weren't
2: promoting cities to work together.
1: But they—they they were though. They see. So here's the thing: is that a lot of people don't realize that there's a pool of money afterwards coming out specifically for projects to connect to innovation places. So there's there. So there's an underlying theme where. Again, this was a rush process. So yes, we had the first application due. You can continually put more information onto it. Every year you can reapply if you didn't get the money. So it's supposed to be an innovate, you know, kind of a thing. So so again, it is supposed to be attracting people because for instance, you know, we were, you know, Trifecta, we were involved in Hartford, we were involved in Meriden, Middletown. And everybody, all these different cities have different kind of um, characteristics that make them important for, for innovation and innovation in Connecticut, right? So Meriden very low um, um, cost to to live there. Houses are technically cheap, you know, maybe a little higher taxes, but a lot of affordable housing and a lot of people that work there end up going to work in New Haven or Hartford, right? Not everybody wants to live in Hartford. Not everybody wants to live in New Haven. So it's one of those things where they may be very important if you are looking to bring in 10,000 people into Connecticut that are focused on innovation, right? If you brought 10,000 people in about housing, you know, there's a lot of things where the whole goal is to attract people into Connecticut to then create more, you know, innovation and so forth. So the meetings that I was at, that was definitely a theme that kept on coming up. However, again, it didn't get beaten down. Right. It wasn't, it wasn't something that was like, this is because, because it, again, these meetings are very tight. You have two hours with a group of people who are all high level people. You're trying to get as much done. A lot of things tend to, you you can't focus on everything in, in those meetings. Um, But again, that was a big thing that we kept on seeing um, and and or hearing. And, you know, we we tend to think about the state, not individual cities. So,
2: yeah, and I I think that it would make sense if that's that is part of their kind of long term play. Um, And I think right now maybe they're just trying to see what strengths come out of each of these cities. Um, But I will say that this process itself was it was meant to be more competitive, less so collaborative with other folks in the state um and that was i think interesting for a lot of folks like sbdc and you guys that were involved in a couple different um projects right and Mm -hmm. it was like well how do we how do we how do you do that but also make sure that like you know it's a competition someone has to win
3: well i come back to the point i'd like to anyway and what you may may what you mentioned earlier, can't David, yeah. I need you to give me another <laughs> <new laughs> card <laughs> here. I can't talk. <laughs> oh. I was silent too long. Yeah. Um, when we start talking about bringing 10,000 people to the city of yeah. Hartford, I, I just want to clarify that, um, again, setting the expectation that's not going to happen by flipping a switch. 100%. That's going to be something that filters in as momentum is built. Mm-hmm. And I think that if we look at programmatic support as we begin to build, and let's again stay with the, the Hartford, East Hartford um, uh, Innovation Place grant, if we start building that in the area around Hartford, people are going to live where they choose and where they have preferences but as the demand continues to go up then perhaps we will see additional housing come on in proper east hartford and proper hartford and when we start looking at where the programmatic support comes yes it's going to be a competitive process but that's what our fundamentals are for living in the united states is that's part of democracy and -hmm. and commercialization and capitalism and let's just point to the fact that boston is Bursting at the seams. Yes. And so a lot of these folks are coming out of there, particularly in the medical devices area, mm-hmm. and they want to come to Hartford, but they need help getting things that maybe Boston or New York or other parts of centers might have. And I think if we look at that as our low lying fruit and begin to populate those types of programs, then we will begin to see that shift. Mm-hmm. And maybe I'm an optimist. There's no glass, no water. Yeah. It's just I'm, I'm trying to be optimistic and yep. saying that we've got to start with some point. Um, I also want to come back to the point, taking this a little bit further. of after the grants are awarded there is additional funding to connect the centers and I think they looked at it in terms of scaling start off with the cities and then determine where it's gonna happen and then we make that connectivity later on and I used the example early on where perhaps some organization like the SBDC and there are many others Mm -hmm. out there as well will be that connective fluid if you will that will bring consistency over the way programs are delivered because of again some of the tools and the opportunities through workshops and one-on-one business advising so when you start something like that it's not going to all happen in the first round of the grant it's scaled Mm -hmm. and it is a very challenging process (laughs) because we are an old city we are a brand new city Mm -hmm. and so the missions of what we've had uh, um, up to this point with a lot of the organizations at that table are in a sense um, silos but I think I noticed, and I'm sure you noticed this as well, a lot of them are trying to reach outside that silo and saying, we have less money out there now, and what makes us similar? Where are the parallels where we can kind of work together, and that still have our unique Mm -hmm. areas in which our strengths lie? Mm -hmm. Um, I just wanted to reset that for
1: you. Yeah, no, and, and, you know, again, from from our perspective, when the 10,000 people, like the, what I was referring to is that in the state, if you bring 10,000 people to the state, like the state notices it, right? Yes. We don't need, we again, there's more people, you know, again, some st- some facts that came out was like, there's more people in uh, a, a department in New York City than there is in Bridgeport, mm-hmm. right? And that's the biggest state in, you know, in Connecticut. So it's one of those things where when we look at scale, you know, again, bringing thousands of people to to the state f- to relocate is huge. It and is. so that's, and, and one of the big things, again, from the connection is that, it was one of those things where, yes, it is competitive, and and at the end of the day, that's how it was seen across the board. Even though there's collaboration sometimes, it was straight up seen as a as a competition. Um, and it was one thing where it's like, so for the first couple of years, we're just stealing people from each other's cities, and, and and we're stealing companies from each other's cities, you know, and we're moving people around and this and that. And what does that actually do? Kind of a thing. So that was a concern that came up. Um, But the one big positive, I would say, and and the thing that we're actually, you know, most happy about of this process, one, it was very quick. It happened about a year, right, since everybody kind of uh, uh, heard about this. And there's also another grant that we all had a right even to be in this uh, uh, point. But is the fact that a lot of the cities are saying, well, even if we don't get the money we're still moving forward with these plans so Mm -hmm. that was the biggest thing that you know what we stressed was that let's make realistic expectations about these projects to say if we don't get money okay it may set us back but we can still take these steps because if we don't take these steps, the next year we reapply and they're like, well, you guys didn't do anything. Well, you know, I, why are you standing still? And I think thing.
3: that was critical to understand, too, yep. that the grant um, isn't just a free-for-all grant. Exactly. It needs to be matched. And there has yep. to be leverage oh, on the yeah, other yeah. side. Yeah. So, again, it's nice to have the grant, and it would be fabulous if we all got yeah. it. Um, I did want to come back to one more point, too, and that is, although I work with the small business mm-hmm. development center, I have to say that we realize that we are part of a larger ecosystem. Yep. So you talk about 10,000 jobs, and for some reason that number keeps resonating. Yeah. Pratt & Whitney, United Technologies. 10,000 hours, right? Yeah. <laughs> <It's like laughs> so they're going to be relocating over the next 10 years. Yep. And this has been announced publicly that they want to uh, uh, move 10,000 jobs from Florida and other parts back to Connecticut. And again, they set the, the, the timeline as a 10-year period, yep. well, that gets press. But think about all the small businesses that have created brand new jobs, or 10, 20, 30 at a time mm-hmm. that didn't get press. Yeah. So an integral part of having a successful innovation center is having all of the parties and all of the media outlets reporting positive news. Yeah. And when something good happens, that they're saying that it is countering and, and, mm-hmm. and reporting those news of jobs saved, jobs created, new capital infusion, mm-hmm. and the list goes on. Yep.
1: We need a better hype machine, basically, right? Yeah, <laughs> wouldn't that be great.
0: David, <laughs> where's your hype machine? <laughs> Turn it on. Well, oh, OK, so, so let me summarize what I've gathered out of this fantastic discussion. Eric is a communist. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Ojala is a capitalist drone. <laughs> Makes and, so much sense. And Denise is the best guest we've had so far. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh wow. <laughs> you know, in, in, in all seriousness, I... Um, uh, so i, I want to summarize a few things but but i want to say you know for those companies out there that are listening to this uh, it should be quite apparent to you as it is to us that um, the small business development center provides um, an excellent service to the state to the people of the state to the businesses that it sees it's an important part of our ecosystem um, denise is no small part of that um, she is fantastic with companies and Individuals and if you want to get a reality check uh, she is the person <laughs> to give it to you um, with a stick so <laughs> uh, um, We I, 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 I Can't thank you enough Denise for coming on and if people want to get a hold of you or the SBDC How do they do that
3: great question the best way to do that's going to be grow ct.com? Um, and they can find me and my colleagues across the state there if they don't go through grow they can try ctsbdc
0: Great. And for those of you interested in CT Startup, um, you've already found our podcast. But you can find <laughs> us on CTStartup.com. Uh, we're also available on iTunes, Stitcher. And Eric, are we soon going to be available on Google Play? Yes. There is one potential listener out there. We have like three
1: people that would keep on asking yes, about uh, it. So, so for the, so those for three you, people, we will get it up. For you, Spencer Curry, you yes, will Spencer soon be Curry. on a <laughs> <your laughs> little play.
0: Um, and, uh, and please, uh, leave, you know, feel free to come on the site uh se- send us an email let us know how we're doing and please leave a review um that really really helps us uh and allows us to continue doing what we're doing so if you're enjoying it uh please go on stitcher or itunes or whatever or google play and leave a review and if you're not enjoying it please just stay quietly at home yeah <laughs> so thank you very much and we look forward to talking to you soon all right thank Thanks you david
3: thank you so much thank you for listening to the ct startup podcast we want to thank our audio sponsor the Murphy Carolina law
0: firm our guests for the time and input, our production company Sublime Exposure Online,
1: and of course you, our listeners, for helping make all this possible. Make sure to check out our Facebook page, our webpage at ctstartup.com, and our Twitter at ctstartupcast. And please make sure to join our newsletter for all the latest information on the connected startups.